Day six, East End Fellowship Fast, January 2018. We're here. We're about uh, a little over 20% of the way through. Uh, let's just jump right in today. Father, we thank you for your word, for your light. It, um, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our pathway. God, we thank you for your nearness to us, um, even when we can't feel it. Lord, I thank you that you are close to us anyway. Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, ready our hearts to receive your word. Be glorified in everything that is said on this podcast, Lord. Um, we your name, thanks, praise, honor, and glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so we have been doing the who, what, where, when, and why of Hear and Obey, the Hear and Obey tool that we are um, learning about in large gathering. And there is another letter, another word left, the how. But I really feel like the how we're going to go over in the next few Sundays. And I probably already talked about the how. So we're just going to do the five W's and not the H. Today, I hopefully that's okay with you guys. Don't be mad at me. If you really want me to do the how, just let me know and I'll come up with something. But I promise you're not missing much. <laughs> so let's go with uh, a new topic for today. I want to talk about something that I've shared with several different people before. I've talked about this before. I'm sure I'll talk about it again. And it's something I, I love uh it's the presence of god um and that sounds like super spiritual like oh i love your presence god it's true but i'd like to unpack the significance of the presence of god um and what it can mean to us in 2018 all right so a lot of we sing a lot of songs about god's presence like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Or, the presence of the Lord is here. Uh, the presence of the Lord is here. Or, um... Your presence is heaven to me. Stuff like that. We sing a lot about God's presence. And a lot of people might be super skeptical about those types of songs. It's just like, what are you even saying? What are you saying about? Is there any content to those songs? And I'd like to say, yes, absolutely. When we're singing about the presence of God, we're singing about something that is just so mind-blowingly amazing and a huge grace extended to us uh and i think we should all um like be aware of that so let me dig in so what do we mean when we talk about god's presence well let's look at scripture i'm not going to read every single scripture uh, every text that i'm getting um, my thoughts from i'm just gonna briefly overview just for the sake of time so in Genesis 2, uh, we get the first hint of, well, we know that God's like God in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth, right? So God existed. But in Genesis 2, we get a picture of, or is this Genesis 3? A million apologies. It's Genesis. It's, 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 three, and, uh, it's the record of the fall with Adam and Eve. But it records God as after Adam and Eve had sinned and eaten the fruit that they God told them good and well they weren't supposed to eat. It says that after they did that, um, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. So that's the first picture we have of God being present with his creation and just hanging out chilling but then as a result of a fall it's like that relationship is broken that relationship that was so pure that was so connected was broken and we don't and we don't see a picture of God in that way walking amongst his people like corporeally in the Old Testament ever again. And I think uh, a, a few months ago, Doug did a sermon about God having his handprint on each of us. And that sin, like when Adam and Eve sinned, it was like the hand or God's hand was on, was on Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it's like God, the sin caused there to be separation from Adam and Eve and it's just like another example another picture of the break in God's presence so to me that says in the beginning of time when things are as they were originally supposed to be God was physically with his creation chilling hanging out walking in the cool of the day feeling the cool breeze with his loved children then there comes the fall but then that's not the end of God's presence Let's fast forward to Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, the Israelites are leaving um, Egypt. And they're doing so, they're fleeing Egypt, but God uses his presence as a way of protection. So God manifests his presence in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of of fire. A pillar of cloud by day, he leads them and a pillar of cloud by day so that they know where to follow. And a pillar of fire by night so that they know where to fire, follow. Also, these pillars of clouds of fire, which is God's presence, is also like they also it also serves to protect the Israelites against the Egyptian army. Another manifestation of God's presence, which is actually before this, is the burning bush. God appears to Moses in a burning bush which is cool. So we have the instance of the burning bush. We have the instance of the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. Let's fast forward to even later in Exodus. In Exodus 25, God says, uh, this is after um, the Israelites are still wandering around, uh, but they're mobile, right? So the 12 tribes are set up and the tabernacle is in the center of the 12 tribes set up. And in the tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant. And the tabernacle, so when God tells Moses to uh, build the tabernacle, he says in Exodus 25 verse 8, he says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. That is huge. So it went from in the garden 
God walking with the folks. Then there's sin that's broken. Then there's burning bush. Then there's the pillars that lead and protect. These are all manifestations of God's presence. And then God says, build me your tabernacle and I'm going to dwell with my people. God shows a desire. He's increasing his presence amongst his people. It went from like, oh yeah, I'm a pop in burning bush, which is Moses. Oh yeah, pillar of cloud and smoke, pillar of cloud and fire. And now he wants to dwell amongst his people. And they that was when the children of Israel were like, they're mobile, they're moving around, this and the third. The next manifestation of God's presence is the temple, right? So when the Israelites are in the promised land, they build a temple unto the Lord and they place, and that's the place, that's the seat of God's presence. That's where God dwells. That's where the children of Israel are supposed to worship. So it went from God dwelling among, desiring to dwell amongst his people in a mobile type of way, but and to God dwelling amongst his people in the land of promise, in a permanent place in the temple. So do you see how God is increasing the measure of his presence? But it just, you know, God's presence in the temple, it just wasn't good enough for him. He could not stop there. He sent after that, he sent himself on earth in the form of Jesus Christ, like as Jesus Christ, God came and is Jesus Christ. And that, it, it harkens back to Genesis 3 when God was walking amongst his people. At that moment, God, Jesus, the God, the son, was walking amongst his people. This, I mean, the people could touch him. Now, it wasn't like, so at the tabernacle and in the temple, they could worship or they could offer sacrifices um, to God or they could come to the temple and worship, but like only certain people were allowed into the holiest of places. Only certain people were, nobody could touch the Ark of the Covenant because nobody was holy enough. Um, but with Jesus, it was literally God walking around, like living, eating, drinking, dancing, laughing, sleeping, probably burping and farting with his people. God is just increasing the significance of his presence as time goes on. And then, and so this is like the people can actually like reach out and touch him. They can say, Lord, do this. They can look at their God and say, do this. If it's your will for this to be done, please do it and it'll be done. They could touch him and be healed. Like this is just, it's incredible. But God does not stop there. God sends his presence as the Holy Spirit. So this is different, right? So Jesus lived and walked and talked and breathed among his people but the holy spirit god the spirit um lives not just among his people but lives in his people well right am i right am i right why is god doing that y'all are y'all asking yourselves this question why is god doing this why does he want to be with us more and more and more why does he not just wash his hands with the whole of this planet of all of us 
Because this, here's the thing. Here's what's blowing me. It's not like we're getting more deserving as time goes on. It's not like he's like, you know what? These folks got their act together. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hang out with them more. They messed up in the garden. But, you know, they're actually loving each other. They're following all of my commands to the T. I'm just going to get, you know, I might just take up residence in their bodies. No, literally, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite of that thing. What happens is everything is awful. Everything sucks. Everyone sucks. No one can obey. God gives commands. People say, I swear I'm going to keep this command. I swear to you, God. And then 20 seconds later, they're like, woo, forget you, God. I found this other thing that I thought was cooler. So I'm going to go do that. That's happening all over the world. Just with everybody. Like we just are awful. And God sees that. He's like, yo, they're really sucking right now. I'm going to give them me so that they can have power to live how I created them to live. Yo, what kind of God does that? Can you tell me of another one? Can you let me know another God that sees his subjects just completely just doing the weirdest crap and says, let me give them more of him. Let me give them more of me. Sorry. I mean, what kind of God does that to go from, yo, y'all, the sin that separate, like sin just cause a huge chasm and then to be making wet and just to be, just to not leave us alone, to not leave us forsaken, to give more and more of himself. I mean, great day in the evening. And so when we look at the presence of God over history, we see God moving from visitation, like the burning bush, the pillars of cloud and fire, from visitation to habitation, right? God wants to live with us God wants to be with us God wants us don't know why couldn't even begin to fathom why he manifests his love the way that he does why when we keep on messing up he just is like yo they can't do it by it's just like a father yo just like any father when their kid just can't get it together they just offer themselves but God just does it so perfectly I mean great day but guess what he just doesn't stop with the Holy Spirit he's not stopping with that that's 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 what we're living in we're living in the world where we are filled with God's Holy Spirit with God's power and it's empowering us to live lives of godliness godliness uh, empowering us to live lives as kingdom citizens But in the future, there's a day coming when God, like when the fullness of God's presence, like the presence of God is going to come to earth and there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. There's going to be a heavenly city that we're all a part. Like it's just, it's coming. God is coming and is going to restore everything like so even though God's Holy Spirit lives in us we're still imperfect broken vessels like we just we just are but in that day we're gonna get our glorified bodies we're gonna be the way we were intended 
to be will live in holiness with the father with the son with the spirit with each other and you know it's incredible so you might be saying what does this have to do with the fast excellent question I think that the kind of God who still even desires to be with people that keep on messing keep on messing stuff up and keep on getting stuff wrong like that's an amazing kind of God to serve and even as we go through this fast there might be some of us who who I mean who are who started this fast with the greatest of intentions but have had some like hiccups along the way like oh i'm doing a doing dingo fast but i had ice cream yesterday (laughs) or oh i'm doing a dingo fast but i cussed my husband out yesterday or oh i'm doing a dingo fast but i gave my mom the finger behind her back i mean you know or i'm off social media and um regular television but i'm doing other weird stuff And I just think that y'all, like, that's a word. There's a word for us in that even when we don't do things perfectly, God still responds to us. He still desires to come and be with us, to lead us, to guide us, to be our God. He still does that. Even if each of us did every single part of this fast completely all the way right, like we couldn't earn God's voice. We couldn't earn God speaking to us. That just happens as a part of, it's our birthright. It just happens as a part of us being a part of his family. So be encouraged, y'all. God is serious about this thing. God is serious about being with us. God is serious about us being lights in this world. God is serious about us doing his work. So even when you don't do things perfectly, trust and believe that our God is still going to respond. He's still going to speak. We can't earn it. We can't like, it's just, We just can't do it. We just can't get it all the way right together. And I think that that's important for us to realize as we're fasting, you're not going to get it perfect. You're not. Even if you think you're getting it perfect, you're not. You're not. Only Only one, only being that's perfect is God. And he pursues us relentlessly. And uh, I think that's awesome. I got a Kairos moment, which goes pretty well. It's from Becca Pryor. And uh, Becca, thank you for sharing this Kairos moment. It was a reading it was a Kairos moment for me and um, inspired some of what I talked about earlier in this podcast. So she says that she. It was a story about how she was led to forgive a friend uh, that she'd been harboring a little bit of resentment against. And uh, she was able to forgive them. It was how God allowed her to be able to forgive that person. She was harboring resentment resentment against, against. felt shame about that story because nobody wants to be bringing up, nobody wants to be reminded that 
they're sinful. You know what I'm saying? That there's resentment in their hearts. Like that's just as it can be an embarrassing thing. But Becca, I'm so glad that you didn't let any sort of shame or whatever you were feeling stop you from sending this in. But anyway, that's not the story. So she shared the story of forgiveness with another friend and she felt weird about it. She was like, man, dang, maybe I shouldn't have did that. Um, but she acknowledged that the feeling of shame and embarrassment is the enemy working to prevent her from sharing stories of God's grace. So, um, a few hours later, this is the moment that stood out to Becca. A few hours later, she received a text from the friend that she shared the story of forgiveness with, thanking her for telling her the story. That small but strong gesture gesture of affirmation is something that God used 100,000% to make Becca realize that she needed to fully embody, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Y'all, I read it again. That's from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You can read it yourselves too. It says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Y'all, God is so good. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in in weakness. That's what Jesus says. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, that's why God just, we can't do it. And we need God's presence and God knows that we need it. We need his power. God knows that we need it because we, y'all, what if we took the attitude of rejoicing in our weaknesses and we weren't shameful or hiding them? We were like, yo, yes, I could not obey, but God loves me anyway. I cannot obey, but God uses me anyway. I thought that I was going to be bound by that thing forever, but God freed me. I didn't earn it. I didn't follow the right steps. I didn't put the puzzle in the perfect little places so that God could heal me. Or I didn't have like, I didn't find this perfect faith combination so that God would act on my behalf. No, he just acts on the behalf of his children time and time again. His power is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient. So y'all let's boast in our weaknesses, which sounds counterintuitive. It does. How can we boast in our weaknesses as a body? How can we boast in our weaknesses in a way that gives glory to God? How can, how can we acknowledge acknowledge the places where we are weak so that when God acts, when God moves, when God does anything, we can point only to him and not to us. We can't point to our right thinking. We can't point to our own strategy. We can't point to anything that we came up with. We can only point to the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Y'all, we've got to get to that point. We've got to get there. We've got to get there. That's what God is waiting for us to acknowledge our own weakness. Humble ourselves and acknowledge our own weakness so that we can experience the fullness of his power. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Let's stop pretending to be strong because we're not. We're not. We should be like Paul. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Lord, I pray that if we boast at all, we boast in the fact that we don't do anything to earn anything that we've got. Or that you give it freely. You give us your presence freely. We couldn't even earn that. We couldn't even, we didn't even know to ask for your spirit. We didn't even know to ask for Jesus. We didn't even know to ask for any of those things. But God, you just, you give them freely anyway. So Lord, open our eyes, open our understanding, God, to really, really know that we can't get it right. But you figure things out for us anyway. You set stuff straight anyway. You act anyway. Lord, I pray that we would <sighs> dedicate every all of these moments to you, Lord. I pray that these Kairos moments would be something that we're sharing with each other that are blessing other people. Lord, be glorified. Lord, I pray that you would establish this. Whatever work that we endeavor to do, Lord, I pray that you establish it. Because unless the watchman, unless the Lord keeps the house, the watchman wake in vain. And unless the Lord, and unless the Lord builds it, the laborers labor in vain. So Lord, I pray that you would establish the work of our hands. Lord, I pray that um, you would speak clearly through us, in us, to us. Be glorified in Christ's name. I pray. Amen.